They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. interacting with these entities all the time in their rituals that's why they do some of these rituals and that's why they drink the blood and ultimately they are possessed by these and this this brings about a simple situation you've got the entities let's call them demonic entities for wonderful they're operating just outside of this visible light reality that we experience they use the bloodline families as their vehicle to manipulate this reality they take over their mental what passes for the physical. Um, and what that means is when these bloodline families go into positions of power, what we're actually doing is seeing these entities go into those positions. And so the secret society network is there to manipulate these bloodline families and their agents into the positions that dictate uh, society and the direction it goes and all the rest of it. And because we can only decode their visible light level, we see the human level. We see, we see people under different names called Rockefeller and Rothschild and Bush and Obama and all the rest of it. But if we could see beyond visible light just a little bit, and some people can, you would see overshadowing these people anything but a human uh, entity. And it's these entities that have passed through what we call history, and they have been the cement, the guiding force that has brought this conspiracy through to the present day. Because people have asked me in the past, quite rightly, I understand it, why would someone give their life to this conspiracy, this global takeover, in 1500 or 1650 or 1820, when they knew they were never going to be around to actually see it happen? What they're trying to do now, playing the cards they're playing now. The answer to that is they were just vehicles. This, these entities are the common force passing through history, um, which has is, which is, which is led this conspiracy to where it is today. What the system has done is to keep from us the nature of the reality we're experiencing and the nature of who we are in life itself. And in doing so, it has kept us completely in the dark about what's actually happening around us. The knowledge that's passed across the top levels of the secret society network through these bloodline flows. The most important part of that knowledge is, that, is the knowledge of reality itself.
Welcome to the One on One Podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. Welcome back to another episode of the One on One Podcast. You know where to find me at the One on One Podcast on all social media platforms. Rockfin.com slash the One on One Podcast. Fringe.fm. Watch the listen to the podcast on the Fringe FM. Download the app. We have Joe Roop with us today. What's up, dude? It's the first time you're on my show. It feels good because I can be relaxed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I have that effect on you. Or you can just relax. Yeah, dude. I hate doing live shows, bro. I I it's something about knowing because when you do a show, it doesn't matter because people are still gonna listen to it. So it's not so much people maybe it's the people reacting in real time that kind of gets me you know what i mean because you have the interaction with the audience like in the comments and stuff like that maybe it's that but they're still going to react to it after the fact and they can comment on youtube or wherever they are after the fact but it's just something psychological you know what i mean so yeah i mean yeah there's a production thing that happens there if you want to produce something really good you pre-record it i mean that's most that's just you know how it is right and but if you want to be more i guess you could say intimate and authentic you do it live but uh there's really no middle ground trust me i've tried to find it you know um but uh i'm i just like doing stuff live for the most part but i think and i haven't told you this i think i'm gonna switch something up here for my show actually i might actually announce something on your show that i've never told anybody so can you plug your stuff so people know where to find you because you do uh, the show light in the void i'm repping the shirt today can you plug your stuff yeah. your socials and i'll put it in the description but i like to yeah, sure, ask people yeah. at the beginning so, and at the end yeah so if you go to lighting that's my show website and fringe.fm is the network website and if you it's really simple uh, if you just go to any search engine and facebook youtube whatever you search lighting the void you'll find it uh, or you can type it all out forward slash lighting the void. Cause I don't think anybody else has that name. I've, I've looked for it. Um, and fringe.fm is the website that is like the big project, you know, the community project that I'm, I'm working on. So, right yeah, on. I don't think anybody, some guy tried to take the Juan on Juan. I saw because after my podcast came out, there's a dude with the Juan on One podcast. So I'm sure he looked. <laughs> I'm sure he tried looking for the. Oh, I'm so excited! It's an original idea, and then he's like, "Fuck!" That conspiracy theorist has it like some crazy alien podcast. So I'm sure I ruined <laughs> his plans. But he's the shout out to the Juan on One podcast. I don't even know if he's posting anymore, but whoever that guy is, his name is Juan too. But. Yeah, man. You know, I really enjoy talking to you. We've talked a lot, but you've never come on my show before. So I figured, hey, let's let's have Joe on to talk some talk some shit because you're always on the whole astral travel. I want to talk to you about astral travel and and lucid dreaming. I'm sure it's different, right? Astral projection and lucid dreaming are two different things. Because I know one of your things is the occult, and sadly, one of the things that I've been told before in this community to stay away from certain topics. And you know what I'm talking about, like the, you know, yeah. peeking down these rabbit holes that can get super, super dark real quick. 
And I've been told before to just stay away from certain topics, but there's this magnetism to the topic of the occult or magic or something that really just draws me. And no matter how many times I talk about it, it I will always find it interesting regardless. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Everybody finds it interesting. That's why conspiracy podcasts and the, and the occult is like one of the biggest downloaded things ever right now. If you go on Netflix or it's big. And then and Netflix, it's big in the Marvel movies and DC movies. Like anything that has an occult vibe to it, conspiracy or an underground hidden thing of fear is going to have, you know, it's going to be up there. I, I think it's bigger now than more now than ever. I was just talking to uh, a guy about that earlier. And uh, sorry, I got someone just blowing up my phone. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can. I'm so sorry. You're good. Uh, let me turn it off. There you go. And sorry about that one. And um, uh, I was just talking to a guy earlier who's wanting to do like a documentary thing or something on astral travel, and he does movies, and he was asking me about that. And he noticed that too, man. Like everybody is into it for either one or two reasons. They're interested. Well, it's like three reasons, right? They're interested or they're scared of it. Or the third reason is they're interested and they're scared of it. You see? Like, that's usually the majority of people, though, I think, is the interested and scared of it, you know. Well, I am interested in it, and, I, and I'm and i not scared of it. I respect it because I, got what you're I understand there are, you know, we have this filter at the aura. You have this filter, and I think if once you start wearing that down, I think you open up yourself to things outside the realm of of reality because – you know, I've asked, I've, I've, well, I haven't asked directly, but I've been on shows where they've asked certain people and they're like, Hey, you know, you study history and, and you look into all these different political things and all this stuff. Have you ever came up, come across anything that's metaphysical in nature when, when researching history, like, and you know, there's the civil war and all this shit, you know, you, that's, that's history, like whatever this happened, then this happened. But there's oh even the founding of our country you could say was done through occultists. I mean they were arguably oh, yeah. part of secret societies. And I mean when I hear people say, "Oh, I've never come across anything metaphysical." Like I heard somebody one time okay. say that when they were researching World War II, they never came across anything about the Nazis and the occult. And I go, "Dude, I mean, is it truly a conspiracy?" But then there's just too much evidence to point that they were practicing occultists. I mean, they were World War II wasn't a cult war. They supposedly had alien tech and all these things that are unexplained. And you have Admiral Byrd, Hollow Earth, coincidentally around the same area. And then you had Parsons in them doing all the fuckery that they were doing. Roswell later on, shortly after World War II and all these things. But then yeah. there's multiple faces to the same story. But this aspect of always being drawn to the unexplained, the parent, you know, I'm not real big into the paranormal for some reason. Like as far as I'm not, I'm, I'm not either. Like I like talking <laughs> about it sometimes, man, but I'm not, I mean, what is the paranormal? Like, like, like that's ghosts what I, and shit. yeah, that's what it, when you hear paranormal, you think about hauntings and ghosts mm -hmm. or Ouija boards for the most part. Right. Like, uh, that's why I, I started the fringe and I tell and when people say, oh, you have another paranormal network, I'm like, no, it's not. Like, Fringe is everything outside the norm. It's not hauntings and ghosts, you know, or just hauntings and ghosts and UFOs. Like, that's what's considered 
paranormal for the most part to some people, but uh, fringes, you know, conscious exploration, science, technology, pop culture, the occult, right? Like uh, sacred sexuality even. We had shows on that that where people would talk about that stuff. It's outside uh, the norm where people push it a little bit. You know what I mean? I want to bring up this quote that I pulled from this. I think it's a pamphlet or a book, something like that, where it's about Rosicrucianism. And I want to mm-hmm. get back into the astral travel stuff. But there, there, so, you know, there's this idea that because when you start talking to people about certain things, they it goes right over their head, which is fine because some people and I don't like the term asleep or anything like that or awoke. I don't like that shit. It sounds stupid. You know, there's certain people who don't realize or, or want to ignore the symbology behind things. I always tell people pay attention to the symbolism because it is symbols are the language of the soul and symbols when it comes to the uninitiated right because i'm sure we could talk about secret societies today the uninitiated to the uninitiated a symbol is nothing it's just a glyph or a cipher or something whatever just a, a, a letter but for the initiated that could be an entire different language that they can decipher and talk with each with each other and even you know a lot of the stuff that i've been looking into alchemy and all this I'm noticing that maybe perhaps all these alchemical texts and these plates and things that you see, I feel like these guys were 100% trolling people even till today. Because we like, dude, like if you look at some of these grimoires or like these alchemical manuscripts, they're so fucking stupid. Like, what are you doing in that? You know what I mean? It's like you you can't literally take this 100% for what it is. It's like that deeper meaning within that. But then they tell you it's like the Bible where... The more you look into different things, you understand the the Bible does have a mystical aspect to it. I mean, it's oh, yeah, 100%. Sure. But the way it's taught is not that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's taught in a certain type of dogmatic way, I guess. I don't know how to explain it, where when I was well, raised, it's not... You know what I mean? You know they do I mean? the same thing in the occult, right? So if you look at, um, like you were talking about, George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and all this stuff, if there was no secret societies, the French wouldn't have come over and saved our ass in the war, right? It was, Benja- it was Benjamin Franklin's ties to his Masonic group that brought his brothers over, you know? You see all these people in these aprons and stuff. So Masons created our country mm-hmm. and what it stands for, and people don't like to hear that, you know? But Masons also would be like when you read the Bible and the part about the Bible that's teaching you how to live, Mm -hmm. right? There's some hidden occult stuff there. But first, you need to understand how to live. And then they get to kind of decide, oh, are you ready for the next step kind of thing? And this is how when you look into these alchemical texts, they bury everything in secrecy and talk about it in secrecy and symbols and stuff because for I still to this day, maybe back then people would have hung them out to dry if they would have told them what all this stuff meant, you know, but today it's all unnecessary, right? We, we're all intelligent enough. We're all awake enough to like look into this stuff. The problem is we have all these old scriptures and cryptographs that we have to decipher. And then when now when you decipher all this stuff, you'll realize that all these guys kind of figured this stuff out. But once they get to the bigger mysteries, they're still arguing with each other about what's what, right? Like, what's the philosopher's stone? What does that really mean? What is, uh, 
What is the true secret to alchemy, right? Is it physical, psychological, spiritual, or energetic? It you gets know? dark, though, uh, Joe. It does, well, it gets dark at the uh, DMV, too, you know? So <laughs> I wanted to read this for, real quick. Symbology is to the occult science what the skeleton is to man or the plans to an architect and builder. So we have that. And then in his future studies, the reader is earnestly advised to work out in symbols, the meanings, and esoteric interpretations which may appeal to him. And according to his ability to understand the plans represented by symbology, and then it keeps on going. But I like that first line. Symbology is to occult science what skeleton is to man. So again, Mm. this idea that there is like this hidden network behind the symbology, but you know, they're, they were they were good at, at encrypting and making these ciphers. You ever heard of the Copio cipher before, Joe? The curtain, uh, I've never, no. The so, Copio cipher? The Copio cipher, yeah. It's, it, it was uh, no. the, the Oculus Order, which was a Masonic secret society of optometrists. And I covered really? this. Really? Another branch, huh? Yeah, and I covered this with an actual eye doctor, with an ocular disease specialist. So I thought it was cool when he broke down the anatomy of the eye. We talked about the all-seeing eye and all this shit. So this cipher, dude, it took them 270 years to crack it, and they were only able to crack it through an AI algorithm. So these motherfuckers were good, and they still haven't even cracked it 100%. Because some of the symbols could mean whatever. I mean, they could be names for people or names for groups. Or, sure. So they were good at what they were doing, you know, like the, in encrypting this language. And pretty much the Copio cipher is these the rituals of the Oculus order of their initiations. And it talks about the regalia that they wear, uh, the the initiation ritual, the and then it got into some political uh, aspects of their time which I believe it was in the 1700s that, th- that this was written at towards the end of that book, they were writing about the political times and, and calling people out and politics and all this shit. But it's like how you said, they constantly argue with each other, but mm-hmm. you mentioned something where we're all able to read into this and look into all this occult shit. But wouldn't you say that there is still some things that maybe perhaps we're not supposed to be looking into because there have there have been certain researchers, you know, that we know of in the community who, you know, uh, certain aspects of the occult, and uh, you can catch my drift, that is kind of dangerous to look down. Because when I told you this philosopher shit gets dark, you know, you get into the whole child sacrifice and all this other shit, you know, the homunculus and all that, all that talk of like how to, you know, because... Uh, one of the the main things about the these plates, I was looking at one yesterday. It's the, the, a couple of days ago, uh, Liber Mutus, which is the 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 mute book, and it's just it's plates with a couple of writings, but it's like the weirdest shit. Like, what do you? It's like they're catching rain from the outside, but then they put it into some container. They're boiling it. A baby comes out of nowhere. Next thing they're eating babies like in the in the plates, they're eating kids and then it's like some weird shit and then it's over. I'm like, what in the fuck? You, you know, what are you getting at, bro? Like, you know, dude, what I, mean? I that that kind of stuff. <laughs> I I don't even like I guess I stay towards the, the light side of things. Right. You know, like certain Rosicrucian magic or Golden Dawn magic, things like that, that I've, you know, experienced. It doesn't have anything to do with that. However. Um, any, any time 
anytime you start a religion or a dogma, and there's a lot of occult dogma or a secret society that has a dogma and rules and all this other kind of stuff, people are doing these things, in my opinion, to, to put themselves above other people in a certain sense of the word. Just like a rich person, when they're filthy rich, they feel like they are the, they're responsible for other people, you know, because they have power. So people love secrets and power. That's why people that don't know them are drawn to them. That's why everybody mm -hmm. looks into them. People love secrets and power. The thing is, is uh, there is some real stuff out there that humans are capable of that I don't think uh, should be kept secret, right, at all. In fact, I think it should be talked about. But then you have uh, black magic groups, just like you have Masonic groups that branch off and they get tired of the regular Masonic stuff, so they want to do something deeper and more powerful and more secret and stupid to me, you know? Uh, they get away from what's really supposed to happen. They have another order, like the Order of the Nine Angles, where you I've can go them. buy their books, and they're real. And they Those are the neo-Nazis, right? Uh, I think some of them are, you know, but they justify human sacrifice. They justify power by any means necessary, right? Uh, the, the strong shall survive and the weak, you know, kind of, Mark Passio gets into this too because he belonged to a satanic order at one time, right? Until he realized what was really going on, that there was good teachings in here that get corrupted by these groups and stuff. And dude, he gets passionate and pissed off about it, man, if you listen to him talk about it. But um, even when I was in Freemasonry or active in Masonry, right, there, there was always like even little stupid political battles going on with this uh uh, this, uh, you know, lodge accepts that lodge, and this lodge is clandestine. I got out of that, and I got into magic and Rosicrucianism, right? Same thing. You get into it, it inspires you. You start learning secret stuff. You start learning things. And then when you get to the tops of these orders, they're doing the same stuff. Well, we have the real lineage, or this person has the, this real lineage. And, and it's all like there's this ego I don't even know if it's ego. I don't know what it is about human nature that we want the secrets, even though if they exist or don't. And then once we get them, we want to keep being more secret and more powerful. You know, it's, well, it's weird. You don't man. want people to know about it. You want to be able to hoard and gatekeep that information because then if everybody's able to do it, it's like the new Atlantis, you know, it's like the, this, this utopia where, everyone's able to do it and then it's not special anymore you know what i mean it's it's because as kids even when we're told not to do something what does that make us do it makes us want to do it even more and more right. and more yeah. and more and i feel like you know i've never been part of a secret society nor do i have any inclinations towards it or you know my my magic that i practice quote unquote is just thinking about something and, and being as positive as I can about it to yeah, manifest good. like that's, that's the only magic that I practice. You know, you have people who light up altars and all this stuff, which cool if you want to do all that, but I just, and maybe it's the Christian in me where I'm still indoctrinated and that'll feel like super heretical to me, but it's like, you know, in the Bible, this is a, a house of prayer. You've turned into a den of thieves where you can, you can worship God wherever you are. You know, you can do a prayer mm -hmm. right now and whatever God that is to you, because I feel that 
God is the universe. God is everything. You know, it, I don't think that he is this old man in heaven sitting on some throne. I think it's a force. Yeah. It's something, you know, how Isaac Newton talks about this unintelligible force that's pushing the planets and everything around. And, and what you were talking about, some of these groups, I learned recently that it's, I think this has to do with chaos magic, where it's called transgression, where you do as much fucked up shit that you can do in order to achieve some sort of divinity does that sound familiar to you kind of i think i know what you're talking about though yeah yeah somebody t- uh, somebody brought it up they were like oh it's called transgression because i had always talked about that like this aspect of being as evil as you can without you know with wanting to achieve some attain some sort of divinity and i never knew the name of it and he's like well it's transgressing you sent me some some shit on it. it's like it's chaos magic and all yeah. that bullshit but you know, that's the magic that I do. I do the, you know, I, I love looking into it and reading about it because this aspect of maybe perhaps having some sort of superhuman ability, right? Like how Grant Morrison talks about, you know, making mm-hmm. putting all these hyper sigils in his work and then becoming true. Now, if he was doing extracurricular things to make that happen, we're not going to know because, I mean, that's the reason it's the occult. You know what I mean? To maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he kind of talks about how to do it, and most people that have tried it, it works for them. But, you know, this is kind of why I got into astral travel too, right? Because if you get into the, the uh, stuff that Robert Monroe does and William Buellman, and you put all the Christianity, religion, and occult stuff aside, and you just keep an open mind to it all, you'll start seeing that most of the stuff we created whether it's religion, the occult dogmas, everything else, we've created all this stuff. And according to what you believe and what you're open to is what you're going to get to experience, right? And these guys went beyond. They went beyond religion, beyond the occult. They experienced things in the universe like that are absolutely insane. Now, I don't know that they experienced those things for a fact, but I do know that I've had the same experiences that they talk about in the beginning, right? which I've never gotten to that point. So uh, magic to me is just a tool of exploration. That's all it is. Just like religion to me is a tool of faith. You know, I don't think you can do magic without faith. And if, and if you uh, are doing it, then you're, it's just like hacking something that you, you know, this is why even Grant Morrison talked about. I would do these sigils in my books and stuff. And I would get this girlfriend, and she would look exactly like the cartoon character that I drew, but she would turn out to be just a crazy bitch, right? So I didn't put in there crazy bitch and da-da-da-da. Where was the faith there, though, right? Where was the prayer that said, hey, send me the love of my life. Uh, I need your help, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm into this big mystery of the two-in-one, right? Like science and religion, I think, are the same kind of fundamentals of one coin just like male and female, alpha, omega, positive, negative. The good and evil thing, like this whole thing, I don't think it's in our nature unless we're damaged to do bad. I don't. I, I don't think it's in our nature to do. I, I know we have dark anim, animalistic sides to us, right? But I don't think it's in our spiritual nature to do bad unless we've been damaged, mm-hmm. right? Or And we have trauma, and we want to be different or special or whatever when you already are, you know, it's just your parents fucked you up and now you want to go do some stuff and transgression and be divine with the devil and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, whatever you want to do man, do it. 
but I just don't think it's in our nature to be bad or hurt to hurt people. I only think I think we do that out of trauma, you know. And you you've brought up this idea before. I heard you on a show where these secret societies they prep you for what's on the you know back to astral projection where they prep you for things on the astral plane. We've talked. I mean, mm-hmm. I've we haven't, but I've read about and studied the astral light you know the theosophists talk about it and how you're able to bend that and you're able to bend reality and all this shit but then you have Crowley talking about how magic is magic but it cannot defy the laws of physics so i mean <laughs> why are you shaking your head <laughs> you're shaking your head for bro you know how you because feel about Crowley <laughs> i don't like it Crowley there's people that make law. They say one thing and do something else, right? Crowley was one of those kind of people. He had a lot of books that say certain things, but he would do other things, right? You know, he to me, he took one of the most divine secrets of the universe that when I say secret, I mean like the kind that, you know, mainly P. Hall talks about, like, not that's not really hidden. It's just if you want to look for it, you'll find it. It's not hidden by man. It's not hidden in books. It's not hidden by anything but nature, right? And if you want to find it, you will. And it's for everybody when you're ready, that kind of secret. So he took that secret, which is love, you know, what what is the biggest mystery on the planet is love, and turned it into, you know, a, uh, you know, just a big sex magic cult, right? And that's what it was all about, the orgasm, the orgasm, the orgasm, the orgasm. And they put all these symbols around it. Uh, but for Crowley to claim that he understands love is bullshit. And we all know it, you know, based on his actions and what he's done and the diaries that, he, that he's done. We all don't understand love. We just know it's there. Uh, but that is the biggest thing that, that I feel like we're trying to, to discover. That's in nature. It is kind of secret and hidden but it's not hidden in a way where man controls it. Right. And you'll find that like, uh, mainly P hall talks about these kinds of things a lot, but he also talks about, uh, he also contradicts himself too, because he talks a lot about magic and stuff at the same time. And then he'll do a big speech about just stay away from it. Right. (laughs) But then he's just teaching all this stuff. Right. So it's like, okay, well, you're 20 something years old. Your best lectures when you were young, we all realized, especially through your show, that you might have had some sugar mamas just throwing money at you the whole time while you were on this no, journey. he did. He did. That's you the, know? He did. Two, Which, one was a lesbian and the other one was her mom, and, they, and the lesbian wanted to marry him. <laughs> Which don't, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I understand that in a way. If you're following your heart, and I've experienced this, the majority of my donations come from women. I'm not mainly P. Hall, though, right? There's something about women and love that are connected and guys that are passionate and following their heart, the feminine gets attracted to it. Mm. That's how it works. It's a natural law, you know. But uh, I had no idea he had, like, you know, relationships with sugar mamas. It's different when people are donating to you and other way different when you're sleeping with somebody to get money from them, you know? To clear that up, I don't think there was evidence that he was sleeping with them. But again, we don't know, but it was... We don't know, yeah. It's very... Dude, if I... Bro, if I... Because I've always... I've said it before. I'm like, either he was channeling 
but then he was just really well versed in rhetoric and the art of memory and could just memorize all these things. Yeah, he was smart. Man. He was smart. And I've been trying to get somebody on that that studied with him for seven years. And but they just like dodgy, I guess. I don't I don't know. <laughs> and they you know, in his his biography, again, we're going based off of what somebody's saying. It was two oil uh, er- heiresses, I guess that's how you say it, where they were heirs to this oil uh, oil field or something. And then when they... Oh, yeah, I got you. During yeah. the time that they were alive, they were donating to him, you know, giving him donations. And even after they died, he was on their will. So it's almost wow. like, you know, you have a 20-something-year-old that is like so above his grade as far as intellect goes because me when i was 21 all i wanted to do is just get pussy and and, and that's it you know what i mean i was just focused on one right, thing yeah and the, here this guy is writing books pamphlets studying the occult and doing all this crazy shit it's almost like he was a you know some people say he was he was a hermaphrodite and all this other stuff but i mean that's besides <laughs> the point because just because you're gay or hermaphrodite or whatever it is doesn't mean that you can't be of high intellect yeah, who cares, right? So. it was just so convenient is what i'm getting at. like you know everything the way everything was positioned in his life almost like he was kind of planted there in, in some sort of way and, and this is coming from you know i got a, a an original copy of the golden anniversary edition sitting right next to me which i almost fucking busted my ass on the other day death my death by manly p hall imagine that i tripped on my it's like, the bro, book. it's like 20 inches it's big. It's like a cinder block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I almost tripped on it the other day. Yeah. And, you know, coming from somebody who I've learned a bunch of things about because he's brought, he's the one that's been able to best bring forth these ideas without getting too convoluted, almost like for the regular layman person yeah. to be able yeah. to interpret it because you have Helena Blavatsky with her writings and you had albert pike with the morals and dogma which they were the ogs and they were the ones that that inspired manly if you really come to think about it but they weren't able to put forth these ideas in a digestible form so that's where they got lost and there's a lot of good information there but it's so hard to read same with with crowley you know like if there's one person i want to get behind crowley it's me, but I can't get behind the shit that he did, bro. It was so no, dude, dark like, and fucked up. Yeah, he was demented. Trust me. There was a lot of demented stuff that he did, you know. And and he promoted that kind of exploration with people, you know. And if you've ever, like, there's lots of cool people in the OTO, dude. But if you've ever went to, like, an OTO kind of meeting and you get involved with it, you'll start realizing that about at least half of these people are here to get laid. That's it. You know, it's a swingers party or, you know what I mean? Half these people are here to get laid. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with love and spirituality. They just couldn't get laid in the real world, you know? It's a bunch of fucking so, nerds, bro. Yeah, they couldn't get laid in the real world, so they have to do... It. I mean, I don't want to piss anybody off, but if you're in the OTO and you're a spiritual person in the OTO and you care about the teachings and all that stuff, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So don't get mad at me, you know? But, like... The thing is, is um, uh, what was I getting at? Hermetics, right? Natural law. The things that I really believe in, whether I practice magic or do astral travel or whatever, it all goes back to these, like these hermetic principles. And I think whether we're practicing the occult or astral travel or whatever, the way that we're peeking into the um, um, the back end of the website of reality, so to speak, is through these principles 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Uh, you can you could be a Christian mystic and find them. Like Doskalos or Doctor Stylianos Atechlis was one of the greatest Christian mystics I've ever read, and they claim that he taught the Theosophical Society a lot of the mysteries, right? But it still correlates with the the Hermetic principles, like all of these teachings do, you know. And uh, it's like a code. I think if there's a code to reality, it's those Hermetic principles. At least that's what we call them. We don't know what else is going on behind them, you know. So uh, uh, we've come up with our own dogmas and systems, and I think all of these different things, um, excuse me, all these different things for reasons of understanding, power, control, and ego, you know. I I really think it's just us trying to evolve and understand things, but there's a power system going on all the time. It's funny how that works, right? Because one of the things, one of the the purification process of alchemy is supposedly letting go of that ego, but there's always something there holding us back. Would you say that the ego is like some sort of archon? Like that was planted some, like a parasite that was planted within our minds to withhold us back from trying to find our higher beings and our higher selves? Would you go as far, I mean, you know, you can express your view. I'm not saying that's your view, but would you go as far to say that? I think the ego ignites it. well i don't think you you totally get rid of your ego till you're dead right because there's a part of your ego that's there that's necessary for your own individuality right the rest of it it ignites good things in your life it's a good starter for things in your life but it'll also destroy things in your life so i think maybe the alchemists understood that part uh but but dude i've been trying to squash my ego since i got into this thing and it every year i get tested and it's harder and harder and harder and the more uh i try to do it the more i come into this question is that really what we're supposed to do are we supposed to turn it into something else because all of these books talk about surrendering your ego and your identity to something else whether it's the abyss the holy guardian angel or you know just the master you know like manly p hall talks about it the master or just consciousness and unity itself and uh there at some point i think there has to be a surrendering to the ego whether it's in your life or death you know it's gonna go away right and i think we kind of fight it our whole life um but if you look into a lot of these texts, they're all about immortality, right? They're all about living longer. The alchemical process, especially the energetic one, uh, makes you live longer and things like that. Well, if if you we're surrendering ourselves to this uh, regenerative mystery of life, birth, death, resurrection, and all this stuff, then why do we care? You know, like, I don't get it. So I'm confused about a lot of it, too, to be honest with you. The more I study it, I understand a lot of the stuff they're saying, but I'm confused as to the purpose of of some of these things, you know. Yeah, no, no, and and what you're saying, because, you know, the art of alchemy, and again, coming from Manly P. Hall, because you got to understand these guys, Manly was in these higher degrees, which 
from what I've been told, doesn't mean anything. Other people say it no. Does. They made him a thirty third degree they, because he spoke to them and just better than they, what they understood like, it as. Yeah, they're yeah, like, they're holy like, shit, oh, you wow. understand this better than we do. Where you, you want to be an honor, <laughs> honorary member of the highest degree, whatever. So when yeah. he's talking about all these things, he's not giving you one hundred percent the juice. You know what I mean? He's got to still there's secrecy there, even regardless because how you're saying not just because of the ego, but because of the organization behind sure. these secrets. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to you like he took oaths, right? 100%. Like if you read, yeah. yeah. Like if you read, um, uh, what the master, like say what the ancient wisdom expects from his disciples and the occult anatomy of man, All the, there's things in there. Favorites, yeah. There's things in there. He covers up on purpose or rules in there where he says, well, this rule is considered irrelevant or whatever. So he's given you this lesson about becoming wise and how you're supposed to live to learn these mysteries, but at the same time hiding all these things on purpose, right? So you know he took the Masonic oaths, but I think he took some other oaths other than Masonic, whether it be Rosicrucian or some a part of some magic society or, or maybe he was initiated in the astral realms and he understands something that we don't, right? Like maybe. But he definitely knows how to talk about it. Can we know? talk about that a little bit about this this idea of being in these astral realms? I've heard before from somebody who practices the occult, right? Whatever that is, that and I don't know, maybe you can confirm this or not. And you don't laugh, all right, Joe? Seri- okay, I can't ser- promise you I'm not gonna laugh. This is dude. serious esoteric shit. Don't laugh, all right? Stop okay. smiling. This is serious. All right. I hate when people do this to me, man, because I can't stop. <laughs> this is, bro, this is the occult, bro. We're talking some serious shit right now. Okay. That in this realm, you are able to see Bigfoot and dinosaurs mingling with each other. Like, not having sex, but in this same realm, there are dinosaurs and Bigfoot and aliens and all this shit. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, the astral realm is full of everything, right? I mean, do you see Bigfoot dinosaurs and aliens in the dream world, right? Like, my point is, is it's a level of consciousness, right? It's just somewhere in between. And when people call call it the astral realm, I'm not sure they're talking about the same out-of-body experience I had or not. Most of the time, I don't think they are. Most of the time, I think they're talking about a lucid dream or somewhere around Can you explain there, the difference you know? between astral projection and lucid dreaming and maybe sleep paralysis? Cause I've had a lot of sleep paralysis and I've read before that that can lead you to astral projection, but I always freak out and I wake myself up. Yeah. I think, I think this is another thing that we're coming to terms with that we're giving terms to as we experience. Right. So Monroe called, called it the out-of-body experience, O-O-B-E, which when you get to that vibratory state, you peel yourself out of body. You can actually see yourself sleeping, and you can affect the physical realm. In other words, if I knew what I was doing, I could pinch you in my out-of-body thing, which he did, right? And then there's the astral realm where people see all kinds of different levels and dimensions of things, and I think, I think, some people think they're in the astral realm and they're lucid dreaming. And some people think that they're astral traveling or they're lucid dreaming and they're actually out of body mm. because I've experienced the different, the different things. 
but then it also all gets all jumbled up. So I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to label these different levels of conscious experience, right? And we're, it gets jumbled up kind of as it goes along. Um, and I think there are different layers of, of density and awareness too, you know, uh, because I've, I've got out of body before and I couldn't see and I could feel my desk, you know, but I couldn't see. I've gotten out of body and watched myself sleep and tapped on a desk. But then I've gotten out of body and it just slipped off into like a dream or something before, you know, or I started just stuff started kind of like fading into the scene, things like that, you know. So it's a, it's not a, it's not, I don't think it's a place where either we can define things or maybe, maybe some people can because they're better at exploring consciousness than I am. But, um, I don't think it's as, it's easy to define, right? Would you say Remote so there is, national travel is you there know, is but, people who are able to control it better than others, and so it wouldn't be far fetched to yeah. say that there's a maybe secret societies who they just talk and they meet up in the astral realm and they just oh yeah talk shit. Yeah, yeah the Monroe Institute does it all the time. They have a a statue outside the Monroe Institute that they purposefully go meet up at when they're out of body, right? And if you listen to the Monroe I think everybody should listen to all three books before they even delve into the subject, right? What was his name? William Monroe, you said? Robert Monroe. Robert Robert Monroe. Yeah. So uh, they did experiments with this where they would put people in two different rooms, have them get out of body, go explore, come back. Two people interviewing two different people. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what happened. And they would meet up and they would see the same things and do the same things. This is what I like more than anything, more than magic, more than anything, to be honest with you, is when people are exploring consciousness in a practical way, but they're doing it with an amount of skepticism and they have some type of scientific method with it that they can kind of pin down what's really going on. And after all of this time, the Monroe Institute and all of the out-of-body explorers, they still only have so many facts, so many truths. So... For someone to just go around and start labeling things as if they know everything about this stuff, to me, it doesn't add up. You know, it really doesn't. Yeah, I have this thing with the guys where, you know, it wasn't Iowas. It was Crowley was tapping into something and there was somebody on the other line like, was that? And he couldn't, you know how when you can't write down a name or like a a, a, a word? <laughs> So you think that's how I was came to be. So he was like, "What's up?" On the other line, he was like, "Meditate." What's up? He's like, "Wait, a minute. Oh, how do you Iowas. spell that?" Iowas, and that's how Iowas came to be in this realm. So mm-hmm. that's that's my, my <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's origin <laughs> origin story of Iowas. But it makes a lot of sense because I've always for a very long time. The other day, for the first time that I can think of. I was on an episode talking about Descartes talks about the awakening dream. And I, it was weird because I had an awakening dream after I had done an episode where I was talking about the awakening dream. And it was the weirdest shit, bro, where I woke up. I remember waking up standing, you know, sitting down on the side of the bed, you know, when you wake up, stand on the side of the bed and then you get up. 
Mm-hmm. I remember doing that clear as day, like just doing it and then waking up and going, holy shit, I was, did I dream that? It was in a dream. It wasn't, it, it was the weird, like inception. Like I woke up. You might've had a, you might've had out of body experience in a way, you know? Bro, it was the weirdest thing. Cause I've always had sleep paralysis and, but I've never, I've always had sleep paralysis, but I never got the, the shadow people, but I do get, or have gotten, I haven't had sleep paralysis in a long time, maybe cause I'm like on really low on sleep as of late. <laughs> so I'm just like, whenever I fall asleep, I just fall asleep, but I haven't had it to where I feel the sense of dread. So I have the sleep paralysis. I feel a sense of dread, but I don't get visuals of like, you know, like the old hags sitting on your chest or like the shadow mm-hmm. person on the side of the, of the room or whatever it is. I've never gotten that, but I have gotten the sense of dread. Like you're about to fucking die. So then that's when you start to freak out and you push yourself out of the experience. You know, you push your, I've, I've had it so much in my life where I'm able to like tap out of it quick, like, and then like, just yank myself out of that state. Bro, but, you, you probably, you are probably could do this if you really wanted to. Cause I know you now, like I've talked to you enough. If you set your mind to this, you could do it. You could do it, bro. And I think I you already do, have. Bro? I don't know. Let's let's go hang out. Let's find a place to meet up. But first, you got to get out of your body, right? But but I think you already have. William Buellman's exercise. Not William. Yeah, no. William Buellman. Okay. Robin Monroe is all about getting to the vibratory state and peeling yourself out, right? William Buellman does the same things, but they also have techniques where you just lay down, relax, and you start... Uh, imagining yourself somewhere in the room and you're visualizing that thing in the room or whatever. And so there are, there are people that get out of body where they don't peel themselves out at all. They just end up, they're out. Right. You become the watcher, Joe. Yeah. So I guess so, man, you become the watcher. Like, you know, it's the craziest fucking shit because the term watcher to me has evolved like throughout time. Like, you know, and depending on which, I always say grimoire because that's the funniest text. But whenever, depending on which grimoire you read or whatever book it is that you're reading, it's always like the watcher. Like in the Picatrix, it's like the watcher that watches over your body as you're working in the astral realm. You know what I mean? Like that's your watcher. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I can't take you seriously sometimes. And I'm, I think you know what it is? I think it's that damn Nicolas Cage thing behind you <laughs> with the aliens, right? Like, I know you're smart, and I'm not, I don't care. I'd rather be laid back, to be honest. But I hear, like, your serious voice, and then I look back and I see the aliens and Nicolas Cage, and I can't help but, like, want to crack up laughing. I'm getting a new mask, and you know? I can't wait to fucking unveil it. It's taken, like, four months for them to make it, but it's going to be fucking great. Tell me it's not a Nicolas Cage mask. It's not a Nicolas Cage mask, unfortunately. It's some, I think it's something better. It might be something better. We'll see. I'm not going to ruin it because I want it to be a surprise. But Color of space. That's what you need. That's the. Yeah, I have that poster the right there, bro. Look at that. Do you? Were you just saying that? Look, color out yeah. of space. Look, color is that what it's called? The movie Color Out of Space. Yeah, bro, it's one of my favorite fucking H.P. Lovecraft stories. So the alpacas, the alpacas, bro. You know the alpacas? They were sacred to the to the Inca people. Yeah, because they thought it was a gift from. They worship alpacas. I'm 100 percent serious about that. Can you imagine worship, you. worshiping an alpaca? Like that's how. No. What if that's the secret to the secret mysteries? 
Castro, what if it's worshiping the alpaca, giving in to the alpaca and letting the alpaca take over? It would make sense because Nicolas Cage already figured it out. I'm si- bro, why are you laughing? I'm sitting, we're talking about watchers, we're talking about some esoteric know, bro, shit, like, and you're focused on Nicolas Cage here in the background. What was I saying? You did that, on, you put that dude there on purpose, though. <laughs> no. I think so. He's a wizard, bro. That's what people don't understand. Yeah. So, the in the Picatrix, the, the watcher is this entity that you call upon mm. to watch over your body as you're working in the astral realm. Yeah, but yeah. then in this astral projection or travel, you're talking about that you become the watcher because you're watching over your body. You know what I mean? You're you're sitting there looking over yourself. But you know when you when you really think about these things, and when you were talking to me just now, I was like, Joe, doesn't that sound like bullshit? But you've done it. It does sound like bullshit. It does, right? It sounds like fucking bullshit. Yeah, it all sounds completely like bullshit. Robert Monroe is the only person that ever convinced me that it could be real. And, you know, like I left my, I was doing uh, tier two tech support for Verizon at the time, dealing with people on the phone all the time, you know, and by the time they would get to me, they'd be raging mad. Mm. So the only thing that I had to entertain my life because I hated my life at the time, right? I hated my desk job was Monroe. And so at lunch, I would go to this place by the river and lay back in my car and either listen to him talk or I would do the exercises that he talked about. And sure enough, some of the stuff he started talking about started happening to my body. And at the same time, I was listening to Art Bell and people come on talking about it. I got obsessed with it, dude. Look, I've never had an alien experience. I've never seen Bigfoot, okay? And as far as, like, magically like manifesting something into my life sure i've done rituals stuff like that put my intention out there and they come back in their own way absolutely all right but the most craziest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life was peeling myself out of body and watching myself sleep that's scary right and it was real everything that he said in this first book was real and after and i still don't care about dogma and bigfoot sorry like i don't know if it's real or not but like i I don't you know what i mean aliens ufos there's got to be aliens out there somewhere maybe there's not whatever right but this thing changed my life and i swear on everything of anything i can swear on it's real it's real right like you have to get to you have to get to that hypnagogic state and just start experimenting with it, you know, or do the methods that Monroe talks about or do the methods that William Beelman talks about, but keep doing them. And I, and I, I can't promise you the same thing will happen to you that happened to me, but you'll see that it's real. You know, have you ever done Wim Hof? Where, where does Wim Hof yeah. fall into this? Because that's like a freaking nature kind of guy where we're talking about, you know, having superhuman <laughs> right. abilities. Where does that well, come in? Because I've I've tried the listen, breathing, but I haven't been able to get anywhere with it. <laughs> Wim Hof people are uh, in a different kind of craziness, right? They, so Wim Hof is an energetic thing, right? I went to uh, a speak. I was a speaker at Contact the Cabin, right? So I had we did magic in Wim Hof, and I'd never really done Wim Hof besides some cold water breathing in the shower, you know. Uh it's scary, kind of. It was scary for me because we're just doing these 
really deep, massive breathing things, you know, and then holding our breath real hard and then just breathing, like giving yourself that, uh, what is it called? Hypoxia or whatever yeah. where you're, you know, where you're about to pass out kind of thing. Um, but I did start like, um, when Brandon was talking about Brandon Powell ran the, he's a Wim Hof instructor, like one of the best. Right. And when he started telling us to focus on certain things, I did start seeing like light kind of start to appear in this area, you know, with my eyes shut. But that was like right when I was about to pass out too. So I'm not so sure <laughs> if it was just me passing out or if that was like really light, but these guys, um, they believe in it. Like they've done studies on it, what it does to the cells in your body and how it regenerates you energetically. But as far as like getting out of body, I don't think so. You know, here's why. Sunday that day, I did a guided meditation. I took everything that I learned from magic and astral travel and I put it together in what's called like a guided path working where I talked to people through visualizations with my voice. It was kind of like a hypnosis session. You believe and in that, bro? Time, hypnosis? Uh, yeah, I do. Because I have a, if you go back, I have an episode where someone put me under and I went and did a past life experience. And people say, oh, were you in a past life or whatever? I don't know, but the guy had me so far under that all I could do is answer his questions. I'm telling you. What number was that? What episode was that? I'm going to check that out. It's it's like way. All you have to do is like type in uh, past life regression, Joe Roop or whatever. You'll find it. I don't remember what number it was. He's really good at it uh, because I was skeptical about it. And I'm still skeptical about what I was saying. I'm like, was my mind making all that stuff up? Or was I really just spilling stuff out? And, and is that how things are? Oh, buried, because you listened you know? to it back again and you were like, what the fuck? Yeah, because there was parts in there that I was saying I don't remember saying, bro. You know, and I'm like, okay. I do remember going under and answering his questions and certain things I answered, but there are parts of it I don't remember saying, you know. Uh, So that's still a little strange to me. But I love exploring this stuff, consciousness, hypnosis, the hypnagogic state. Like, all this stuff is fascinating to me. Where was I talking about? You were saying that you were oh, yeah. you were you were helping somebody through your voice, right? So I was guiding people through this thing, and it was like about forty-five minutes. And I finally told them to come back, you know, wiggle their fingers, come back into whatever, you know. And everybody there was kind of freaking out. Now, not everybody, but a lot of people were. Now, naturally, uh, some people it could be uh, what do you call it? Hyper suggestion or they're telling themselves they had an experience and they really didn't but there's people there that i trusted like graham uh from graham eric and all them that had certain experiences i know they're telling me the truth and i had this one really big tall brazilian guy i forget his name but he came up to me he's like dude i have to talk to you i have to talk to you and i'm like what what what's going on brother you know he's like i don't i'm an atheist kind of like i don't believe in this stuff really but i'm i'm kind of open to it he goes anyways while you were doing uh the certain part of the exercise he said my hands were on my legs um but i scratched my ear <laughs> and i said you scratched your ear with with what he goes i don't know because my hands were on my legs you know and i said well you have an etheric astral body you might have tried to scratch it with that arm because dos talks about that too right and he's like 
that that can't be real like he was just looking at me the whole time just kind of like dumbfounded he's like that can't be you know so i think uh another thing is it's like our mind is programmed to think that this is all there is it's hardcore programmed and everything else is bullshit you know which is like good i think in a way but without experience in these states or conscious exploration without you actually going in and trying to explore it, you don't know. So without meditation, without trying the out-of-body experience techniques, without going under hypnosis, without trying these things, you don't know, right? And sometimes it takes more than one, two, three, or four times to get there. It really does. Just like uh, why this is what ritual magicians believe, ceremonial magicians. You know, you watch TV and... They're like abracadabra, and they do this big spell, and something happens. And, you know, ceremonial magicians, for the most part, they do it every day at the same time, certain things every day because they believe in just building that energy, right? Wouldn't and you the say, more you do it, the more energy you're building. Joe, wouldn't you say that because you're talking about ceremonial magic? And I like the way that Thomas, Paranoid American, put it on Tinfoil Hat, where it's you do the same thing how you're saying at the same time, same day, whatever it is. Same spot. Same yeah, spot. You know, stuff. this energy comes by and you're just slinging it back into the ether. And then, you know, next year you come back and you do the same shit and you pick this energy up and you keep going. And it's like this gyroscope effect or Dyson sphere or some shit. I don't know, whatever, with etheric energy and all this shit. Torsion field, like I guess. Yeah. You know, energy, frequencies, whatever. Wouldn't you say that because we are maybe doing some sort of ceremony unconsciously when we wake up every single fucking day that working that nine to five, you wake up same oh, time. Hell yeah. You go, you drive to the same place. You do the same shit day after day after day. Are we in some sort of spell or ritual of the elites? I mean, cause this is something that all the shit that we're talking about today, you know, project Stargate, you know, project blue beam, all these, you know, looking glass, all these, the Montauk project, all these projects that are, funded by the government where the stuff that we're talking about today, the government and the elites are looking into. And that just hints oh, yeah. at the fact that, Hey, this is a phenomenon that we want to either weaponize or understand. And it hints at that. It is a possible actual thing. You know, it just, well, let's not bullshit each other. They definitely have done it and they've used it and they're still using it probably. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at all their paperwork, all their paperwork pretty much says, well, we, it was inconclusive. We we did see little things here and there, but it, for the most part, it was conclusive. And then it disappears, you know. It's bullshit, right? I mean, when you watch Third Eye Spies and they were talking to the guy about remote viewing, why the hell is Robert Monroe in that picture? They don't even say anything about Robert Monroe, but he's there shaking the military's hand, too. Is he the and one with his, the... Hemispheric synchrony, uh, synchronization. Yeah, hemisync. They that's, developed that, hemisync. That's him. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I've yep. read about. It. That's fucking fascinating. Yeah, they developed hemisync, and if you want to experience hemisync and what it does for your consciousness, all you have to do is get on YouTube and type in the Gateway Voyage, and the first two audios that he ever made for his school are there, and he talks you through it. Look, I, I'm going to put one. What's you the know, name? Uh, uh, it's the gateway voyage, right? Uh, he says, I'm going to put one and you can go to the Monroe Institute's, uh, YouTube channel. It's on there. I'm going to put a tone in one ear 
right? And then I'm going to put a slightly different tone in the other ear, and you have to have stereo headphones, right? And what that does is you get this wah, and then you get this little bit of a wah, right? And then when it's in your head, it sounds like wah, 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 because they're two different tones. But then all of a sudden, your mind will sync those tones because they're so close. Your brain automatically just wants to put it together because it can't handle it. And then it'll stop going, one, one, and it'll just, right? But it's still two different tones. At that point, both hemispheres, at least a section of your brain, is synced together. And this is what they're doing is playing with the two and one, right? Because in all the mystery books, it's like when the two become one, that's the mystery. That's the bridegroom, or that's how the body fills with light. And there's all these mysteries about the two becoming one. So in our bodies, and then that happens on different levels, right? Yeah, whether it's male, female. Shit. Yeah, that happens on different levels, whether it's male and female, whether it's positive and negative, whether it's the two hemispheres of the brain, you know, anytime, anytime two opposites come together, we see into the mysteries. Well, Robert Monroe's doing that with the body. And this gets us to where our body doesn't function like it's normally supposed to. Like the body will all of a sudden, um, be asleep but our minds are still awake you know and it's like what the hell's going on and then you get that vibratory state where you feel like you know you're a freaking nine volt battery and that's that's when you start to get into this like peel out method or peel yourself out of body and it starts getting trippy after that you know and they're still doing this stuff today so and would you say that this is the whole aspect of because we have these movies like the matrix and these movies where, you know, Fight Club, especially where Fight Club, yeah. It's it's uh, it was you know, every time I watch that movie, no matter how many times I watch it, it's always like, Man, I did not see that shit coming. And you've watched it already like five or six times, you go, What man, they really got me that time. It's like the seventeenth time you watching the movie, you know, it's always that do you think that maybe, you know, this whole Neo breaking out of the the pot and stuff is us when we, you know, when you're trying to astral project, that's like the same equivalent because, you know, they always say that we're like beings having a, the human experience, you know, we're humans being not human beings. And do you think that plays a role into the whole, this world is a, sim, this reality is a simulation. Absolutely. Yeah. Aspect. To yeah. It? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody that get lit looks into like the, the, you know, the tantric mysteries and this is why Crowley was all about it right because he experienced it but then he took it to like well I'm just gonna get a bunch of concubines and do magical but no like anybody that's experienced this stuff or that it's practiced like tantra with someone you actually really truly love and down into your soul right you will start to experience things and feel energies that you've never felt before right and it's the same thing as the two hemispheres of your brain coming together and causing you to have extra like conscious experiences, you know, uh, it could just be that in this realm, consciousness is so separated into so many different aspects that when any two things come together, it starts to, you know, pierce into the veil, any two opposites, whatever they are. I don't know, but I think the matrix clearly shows that with Neo and Trinity. It's, it's like, shadow casting that all the time well it's really he he's the one well wait a minute how come he's more powerful when she's around and you know 
them together, they can take anything out or whatever. So uh, that goes into the Genesis mystery, and there's a whole other, like, mystery there, too, you know. Like, we, we think that uh, marriage was uh, dogmatic and all of these different things, but what it really was was a bunch of priests back in the day that understood something they tried to force people to be a certain way so evil wouldn't spread into the world. And what happened, we just rebelled anyways, you know, instead of having people just follow their hearts is what they should do, you know. That's fucked, bro. You're saying that yeah. since the, the roots of the church, of this whole, because that's one of the main things, like, oh, no, you need to be married before you, before you can mm-hmm. move in together. Or you need to be married before. Is that part of the conspiracy of them wanting, them knowing the secrets I mean, dude, to the secrets, bro? Yeah, Cat Williams said it even on his latest uh what his latest thing. It. Oh, you gotta watch it. He talks about the he's like, they lied to you. He said they lied to you too, Christians, and they're like, Not us. And he's like, Yeah, they lied to you too. Especially about the Genesis thing. I mean, God put fruit on a tree and then said, Don't eat it, and that's what started the world, right? And he he said, God don't fuck with fruit like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it's a symbol. He said, you're the tree, right? If you're the tree, then what's the fruit? And then he points at his crotch. He's like, this is the fruit, you, you know? Yeah. Right? So these people were brother and sister at a time. There was, there was uh, either incest, number one, right, with Adam and Eve, or there was something that, was, that needed to be understood about them coming together that needed to be understood that they just didn't care about and they gave into their animalistic instincts and therefore we have procreation and all this other stuff. So in a way, it was supposed to happen. But if you think about power, money, and why everyone rules the world and does what they do, I mean, come on, especially dudes for the most part, if there wasn't, I just I just want to ask you this: If there wasn't sex, do you think that they would care about power as much as they do? They might, but do you think they would? If there wasn't sex, yeah, if there was. If it didn't exist, right? Like, if it didn't exist, do you think the power structures the way they are? Like, I got more money, I got cars, I got this big business, you know, I got all this stuff, or it's kind of like a what the hell is that movie? Um. Oh, man. Fifty Shades of Grey where the girl falls for the guy that runs the big building kind of thing. Well, you know? if you think like, about it, I mean, the eunuchs, right? A lot of them, I was talking about this with a with a, with a doctor yesterday about that the, she has a specialization in, in, in Artemis of Ephesus, the, the, the goddess. And we, yeah. we brought up the idea that the eunuchs, they were so big in their time that they that they swayed political movements and political decisions they do that in game of thrones too that's what exactly right well that that bald guy is like oh what's you know what's with him yeah he was really influential to people and he went from kingdom to kingdom influencing people he was like exactly like this enigmatic look at the little birds like fuck your birds you know what i mean like you know that's why pigeons work for the cia so when (laughs) but he did say in that show dude he said i don't care about power I don't care about anything. But, All I care about is people getting what they deserve, like the people, you know. But but you make up, a, you bring up a good point because if you, if you look at Plato's Republic, you know, like this philosopher kings, they couldn't have anything. But then it's like, would they care about all this shit? I think they would, bro. I think that they would because 
That's just but a, to the extent that they do now, would it be as prevalent? Or would we have a million YouTube videos talking about gold diggers? Would we have all these guys trying to buy Lamborghinis and stuff? Would guys even have testosterone? Do you see what I mean? Like, we don't understand. Like, there's a there has people have to know this. Okay, we've all slept with people we don't love. If we're an adult, we've probably had sex with somebody we do not love. And I'm not saying that I'm trying to make you have sex with only the people you love. I don't care what you do. What I'm saying is, is like, look into it. If you want to look into spirituality and look into it, look into the union or the energy or look into these things with someone you actually love versus just masturbating or doing sex magic with people that don't matter, right? And you want to call it love because you had 10 minutes of pleasure. Well, they had pleasure too, and I had pleasure. It must be love, you know? That's what Crowley thought, but he lost his kid, and he lost his wife. He became a drug addict. He lost all his money. Look at Parsons. What happened to him, right? So the highest mysteries are, are in nature and love, I think. That's my point, right? And uh, I'm not even saying that you have to be, a, a, what do you call it, a monogamous, right? I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying look into it. Mm-hmm. Look into it before we before we. Because I think marriage is beautiful. There's a whole romantic, the ceremony of it in a magical way, it's beautiful. But if you're doing it for tax reasons, if like, you know what I mean? Like if you're doing it for, well, I'm going to get better taxes or this is what my mommy and daddy think I should do. And you don't even understand the, where all this stuff came from and why it came from. Why the hell are you doing it? You know? Yeah, it's it's you make a very good point because for the for the Pythagoreans, the number eight, and I'm trying to remember if the number eight was either the number eight or the number seven was the number of the Eleusinian mysteries. It's either the eight or the seven, but anyways, the eight represents to them love. Which, when you really think about it, and when you put the eight sideways, it's the infinite symbol, right? Infinity because yeah, love. Yeah, that's in the magician card too. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you you know, love holds everything together, and it is this enigmatic force that you can't explain it. You can't. I mean, you, when you really when you really sit down and think about it, because we get lost in all this other shit about you know the occult, and you know you have Goetia, you have demonology, you have all this other shit extra, extracurricular. You don't really sit to think about like what is love, you know. Like my son right. is at that age where he's asking questions on questions. Like, you know, he'll exhaust a question. It's like, Oh, well it's blue. Oh, why is it blue? You know, what is blue? It's like, you know, you got these questions that you don't really know how to ask. How do you describe blue? You know what I mean? Like, how do you describe a blind person? I've talked about that on the show. You know? before. I'm like, what, if what if we're actually seeing two different colors? And but we both called it blue when we were kids. Some but we don't know are. we're seeing two different colors. You but know? some people yeah. are seeing two different colors. That, that ocular guy that I had on, he's a doctor for eyes. And he talked about it. Like, you know, people see different yeah. frequencies, different wavelengths. So it's going to change from person to person. But when you really think about what is love, you know, what is love? Maybe you don't hurt. You know that song? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You can't describe it. Like, you know, you pick up your son, your newborn son for the first time ever, and you look down at their face and you go, You're right. Oh, I yeah. fucking love you. Why? Yeah. Tell me you don't believe in anything <laughs> divine after that. It's That's, not oxytocin. It's when a baby's born, and my son, when he was born, his eyes were so blue. I've never seen him like that, you know, ever. And even I've seen purple eyes, I've seen brown baby eyes that this was a shade of brown i've never seen before it looked mystic right like they look and feel 
like angels when they come into the world, when they open their eyes the first time, you know? And it's, I, you and I know the experience that you're talking about, right? Like, we've had it. How the hell do you explain that to anybody, scientists or occultists or people that are looking for the sacred secret arts and the mysteries and stuff like that? That's why I say astral travel sounds like bullshit to people, but until you experience it, like, you're not going to know, you know, or the out-of-body experience, right? It's the same thing. But you and I have had that experience that I don't think. I got one son, and that's all it took for me was to experience it one time to know, you know, there's something there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's fucking crazy. Like, it just, you, you can't explain it. It's just like this un, unintelligible force. But, you know, taking how that did, information. How did, how did that get created, the two and one, right? So, you know. It's all about the is, homunculus, bro. Right. And which is, <laughs> is weird because back in the day, like, uh, they didn't believe if a woman said, I'm pregnant, they didn't believe that a man could impregnate a woman unless he was attracted. Or they, the two people were attracted to each other or that they loved each other, right? That pregnancy couldn't happen uh, if that was the case, right? Like if some a woman got raped, she just wouldn't get pregnant, right? Mm. So they would hang women and say, well, you cheated on them. There's no way. Oh, shit. I mean, that shit really happened, dude. You know? So where did that come from? You see what I mean? Like, where did these people get this idea from? Yeah, but where did the the idea of a virgin birth come from? That's fucking stupid. Yeah, it is. It is stupid. <laughs> it is. You know what I mean? Stupid, it's like, you know? where do you get that? I've always said, where do you get lost in translation from, you know, one thing right. to the next? It's like, oh, well, let's throw in. You guys aren't going to fucking the council and I see it. You're not going to believe this shit. But we're yeah. going to throw in a virgin birth. Like, oh, my God, it's a great idea, bro. Or perhaps, perhaps Joseph and Mary resembled a higher type of love that brought a certain kind of consciousness into the world, right? Perhaps. Or it was just symbolism or it was bullshit, you know? Like, we don't know. We're trying to figure that out, right? Like, they don't, they don't put uh, all these different numbers in there that add up to nine in the Bible for no reason. They don't say, you know, this guy begat that one and he was this year, many years old that begat that one that was this many years old because they think we care about how old this guy was. There's ciphers and stuff and symbols, Kabbalistic, by the way, uh, hidden things all in the Bible, all in there, you know. So I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think it's funny when people say Christian Kabbalist because it's, like, <laughs> it's like a paradox. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But there was an actual thing. Like, there was people that were Christian Kabbalists. And, again, I mean, I think that religion, when it comes to the very beginning, I think it's important to believe in deity or God or whatever you want to call him because it, it does how you said earlier at the beginning of the show. It, it gives you some sort of structure, right? It gives you some order. And if it... I always say you can practice whatever you want to practice as long as you don't hurt yourself or others, uh, which, again, I mean, for some people that's hard, for others it's not. And I respect you can be whatever you want to be. You can worship Cthulhu for all I care, but, you know, as long as you stay in your lane type of thing. Uh, my yeah, whole issue is when, when you hurt children, because, I mean, how you said, they're the closest thing to source, you know, and that's why yeah. they're targeted in certain, you know, even in the Old Testament. And then, uh, where they talk about you know the firstborn sons and all this shit well it's like why you know what i mean it was or was that symbolic you know what i mean like was yeah, that sim be. so again there's a 
you're always left with more questions than answers when you look into these mysteries. But I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I this is this is why I'm into what I call void walking, dude. Like I've coined the phrase void walking for this reason only. I thought and I didn't steal it from Destiny 2. I by thought the way. You, they stole it from me. <laughs> I thought you came up with that just as like a like a slogan, but you actually mean it as in No, it's uh there's a slogan a guy, one of my listeners came up with, and I was like, That's it, right? A family of explorers of consciousness that don't claim they know the answers to anything about reality, right? that are willing to explore it in a practical way to try to find answers because we can do things in our mind all day long and talk about them and write them down and things like that. But the mind is also a den of scorpions too, that can lead you in all kinds of different directions. But if you want to know the truth, at least something about you or your life, you have to experience it, right? Like you have to, you have to experience it. So, uh, when I when people say, well, I'm afraid to practice magic or whatever, I'm like, good, you should be, but don't be afraid, in my opinion, to try something and then go, well, I don't, that's not for me, right? Like, don't be afraid to meditate day in and day out and see if you have an experience. Don't be afraid to try Monroe or William Buellman's astral thing, right? Because we all have this fear of like, I'm gonna go to hell. I'm gonna have someone like go into my body. I'm gonna die in my sleep. A demon's gonna get me. Whatever, right? Like, do you? really believe in love or do you not do you really think i'm not saying bad things don't happen but do you really think that there's nothing out there looking out for you nothing like deep down in your soul you know that's not true even though you do feel that way sometimes right so even if you don't know the name of god just to me another conscious exploration method would be pray to something and say hey i don't know what you are or who you are Right, I don't know, but if you can hear me, this is what my heart hurts, needs, wants, or what I'm afraid of. Can you help me? See what happens, right? Like, just try to have an experience to figure out the truth instead of, that's what I call void walking, right? Because it's the void. We don't know. And even these people, these alchemists and, all, and scientists, they're all asking the same questions no matter how much stuff they keep secret. Mm -hmm. What you and I, I think, would like to know is, are they right about the mystery schools being in the astral realms? Is there some kind of weird, you know, like like Metroid, like there's different levels to it in the astral realm? That's what I think about sometimes when Manly P. Hall talks about it. I, I just want to know if, if we can shoot fireballs. You know, out of wands. <laughs> right. That's what I want to fucking know. You know what I mean? Like that kind of magic, huh? <laughs> you you want to know if we can do that? Maybe we can. Hell, I don't know. There's there's guys in the east that can that can pull chi through their body and shock people, and then there's shit? other guys that like trick people and shit when they do that. But yeah, there's 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 no t we don't know without trying is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. We're looking into it that way, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna check out this Robert Monroe guy stuff. And I'll probably fall asleep in bed trying to do it, but well. <laughs> well, the first part of the book is pretty boring, yeah. but and once you start getting into the like fourth, fifth chapter, when he starts having the experiences, and that's when you, it just shifts on you're like, holy shit, you know? Because he talks about, I'll tell you something, I'll get you interested real quick. He talks about like the first experience of him was like feeling this guy 
breathe on the back of his neck and Man, it creeped him out. Fuck that guy, whoever's breathing yeah. on the back of my neck. Right. <laughs> it creeped him out because the guy had a stubble and he's just, imagine you're like kind of half He's like up against you like, what's up, bro? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, and you feel this, ah, ah, and a stubble no, on the, the back of your neck. get the fuck out of here with that, bro. Right. And I was, that's what I thought. I was like, what the fuck, you know? But then later on, he found out that his, that was him. That his <laughs> astral body his astral body had kind of separated a little bit, you know, and he was feeling that shit. And he had all kinds of weird experiences before he started realizing what was going on, you know. Like a fucking so drunk guy, like, it's like <laughs> trying to go into the astral. Well, I'll let you know where we're going to meet up, Joe, because I found all this shit interesting, fascinating, yeah. and I could talk about it forever. Do you have any concluding thoughts for the listeners? I know you went on a little rant there at the end which was, it was beautiful Sorry. no you're good it's beautiful uh, but do you have any concluding thoughts on for the listeners you know they they, they listen to us for almost an hour and a half talk about some Bullshit. shit <laughs> yeah well I, I would just say you know keep an open mind and ask, you know ask everything believe nothing you know but 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 also be willing to try i'm not saying uh do black magic or do anything like that but if you have a little faith in your life, you should be willing to try some of these things. Yeah, and listen to Robert Monroe's first book. Listen to some of these guys talk about it and be open to it and try to have the experience. If you don't, then you don't. But uh, other than that, like, that's all I know, dude. I think our whole world would change if people opened their mind and started, like, being less afraid to explore themselves in a practical way consciously, you know. I think everything would change, actually. Want to plug your stuff one more time for the listeners at home? Yeah, sure. My show's uh, lightingthevoid.com, and the network is fringe.fm, and all the socials are the same. It's pretty simple. Thanks again for coming on, Joe. I appreciate you, bro. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I love talking about these topics, and it's, you know, it's just those things. My soul card, I found out the other day. I did a tarot reading on YouTube. It's got to be legit. And because uh, I don't believe in astrology and, 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 and tarot, which is stupid because I'm talking about magic and stuff. But that's okay. Yeah. Uh, my soul card was the, the Hierophant, which is the man of mysteries, you know, number five. So, right. And I consider myself the rabbit hole master. So, you know, I like looking down some good rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's your new nickname rabbit hole i guess huh yeah the rabbit, <laughs> no, hole, the, master the rabbit was, hole master i was given to me by a by a 30 second degree freemason so whatever that means so cool yeah dude thanks again for coming on man how fun and hopefully we can do this again very soon yeah dude anytime brother thanks joe